Welcome to the Womb Happy Hour with Lorraine Giordano. It's time to connect with your feminine energy center, your own body, to achieve anything that your heart desires. It's a discussion about a place you may have not discussed so much, the place down there. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Giordano. Hello and welcome to the Womb Happy Hour. I'm your intuitive energy host, Lorraine Giordano. I have a... uh a fascination and a passion to uh, to talk about opportunities for ladies to uh, connect to their feminine energy centers in a physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental way. Uh, because I think health and creativity and creating our dreams is all connected. Um, so I would love to connect with you. Uh, if you'd like to find me on Facebook, you can reach me at uh, Inspired to Health. On Twitter, please follow me at Inspire the Number Two Health, and I'm on LinkedIn. I'll spell out my name for new listeners: L O R R A I N E Giordano G I O R D A N O. And please check out my website, InspireToHealth.net. So today we're going to have a really fascinating and interesting and very important conversation. Our guest today is. Dr. Carly Snyder. She's an MD and she's a uh, reproductive psychiatrist. So if you'd like to connect with Dr. Carly, her website, and I highly recommend that you check it out because she's got a significant amount of resources and a lot of good information. Her website is uh, carlysnydermd.com and I'm going to spell that out for you. C-A-R-L-Y-S-N-Y D-E-R-N-D.com. And let's say if you have some questions that come up tonight and you want to send her an email, uh, you can reach out at cs at carlysnyder.com. And again, for anyone listening, if you have any questions that you want to discuss with Dr. Carly, uh, you can call us at 866-472-5792. Now, uh, Carly's also... Uh, engage with social media. So her Twitter account is at Carly Snyder MD and uh, she's on Facebook at Carly Snyder MD dash reproductive psychiatrist. She's on Pinterest at Carly Snyder MD. And what's great is that she is a columnist on the Huff Post. Uh, so check out MD for Moms. And she hosts a weekly radio show as well that's called MD for Moms on iHeart, DBN Global Network, and it's also on iTunes. So that was a long introduction, but Carly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lorraine. Yeah, that was, a, that was a very long intro, but I appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, welcome. How's your day going? It's going great. It's going great. Thanks. How about you? Yes. Awesome. So I think, you know, I was talking to some friends um, about you being on the show this week. And, you know, many of my girlfriends that I talked to uh, were not familiar with what a reproductive psychiatrist does or is about. Can you share what, what is a reproductive psychiatrist? Absolutely. You know, this is a question I get all the time because, unfortunately, people don't know that doctors like me exist. Um, So I am a psychiatrist by training. So I went to medical school and I did a adult psychiatry residency. And then I did additional training in women's mental health. What we do as perinatal psychiatrists and reproductive psychiatrists is we work really focusing on women's mental health. And my specific interest is the perinatal period. So you know, that time before conception, during pregnancy, and postpartum. I see. And um, what made you choose this field? What experiences led you to kind of wanting to work with women this way? Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. So I thought in medical school I was going to be a plastic surgeon, and I really enjoyed it. And then I had my son... And I realized that I no longer wanted to be a surgeon because I wanted to be home in the morning for breakfast, which, you know, in truth, in psychiatry residency, I wasn't home for breakfast much either. But I didn't, for whatever reason, my new mom brain, this was really a big focus for me. So 
I did a 180 and I applied for psychiatry residency. Um, and I went into it and I, I didn't really find anything that I loved. And then I was, the way that psychiatry residency works is you do six months of medicine. Okay. As well in your first year. So my first year, I did um, a month of that in pediatrics. And there was this little boy, this baby who was beautiful. And he had started seizing right after he was born. And he came in, he was like two months old. So this little baby was there for monitoring, but he, he was dying. And his mom was obviously having an incredibly hard time. And no one was asking her how she was doing. And so I sat with her and connected with her and it made a big um, impact on me that, that by talking to her, she said she felt better. Um, I connected her with a grief counselor and that apparently made a really big difference for her because they instituted a program after that where every woman whose child was dying was connected with a grief counselor before the child died because they found it to be beneficial. And yeah. then over time, I found that I really liked working with women, especially as it related to um, becoming mothers, and that this specific field has a lot of intricacies, and it's very exciting, and we get to help women in a very tangible way, and so I love it. That's wonderful. I mean, and that's such a dramatic uh, impact to that to that mom, and then establishing, helping to kind of inspire that that grief support tripling out. So kudos yeah. to you. It's a very impactful, yeah. impactful moment, right? Yeah. I mean, it's one that stuck with me for many, many years. You know, I had a little, my baby at the time was one, my little boy, and I could not imagine being in her shoes. But yet at the same time, I realized that I could have been in her shoes just as much as she was. And that, you know, I would have wanted someone to ask me how I was. So I turned and asked her. And I think, I hope we both benefited from the experience. Sounds like you both did. So now, Carly, why do most people come to see you? You know, I I like to stratify it in three ways. There There are kind of three groups of women. There are maybe even four. There's one group who comes to see me because they are being proactive. They are planning. They want to have a baby in the future, and they have a history of maybe depression, maybe anxiety, and they're, maybe they're on medication, maybe they're not, but they want to figure out what the safest approach is for them going forwards and for their baby in the future. Okay. So one group. One group of women comes to see me because they're in the process of fertility treatments and they're struggling because it's, you know, an incredibly hard process. And they come to see me to address their anxiety or their depression, if that is the case. Um, and they tend to stay with me, you know, once they're pregnant and ongoing, as do the other group. Another, you know, some women come to see me during pregnancy because they are experiencing mood symptoms. Um and they are not really able to function the way they want to. Often they've tried therapy, but it's not working enough yet. Um, so they come to discuss possibly adding medication, if appropriate, and other ways that they can optimize their mood. And then the last group are women who are postpartum, and they are having a hard time in that period um, emotionally. And do you find that most most people come to see you based on referrals or are they just kind of finding you online or through all the, you know, the different channels that you're, you're involved with? You know, I think um, it's a mix. Definitely there are people who find me online. My favorite are the people who say, well, my sister or my friend or, you know, I was at a dinner party and someone was saying they saw you and so I need to see you because that makes me feel good that I helped someone else that, um, they recommended me. And then a lot of um, other psychiatrists will refer patients to me as well as OBGYNs, um, as well as reproductive endocrinologists. So it's a kind of a broad network of people who send patients my way. I see. That's good to know, though. 
and it's good that um, those physicians are kind of helping to support women by sending them to you. Absolutely. So before we, yeah, before we go to break, and we're going to go to break in a couple of minutes, um, I'm going to share that some of, the, some of the women that I talked to about um, our show today, they were like, Lorraine, you're an alternative energy healer. Are you a purist? Like, why, why, what's up with the, do you believe in medication? And, you know, are you promoting medication? Um, which, you know, I think I'd love to get your opinion as a, as a medical doctor, your take on, you know, because there's a lot more alternative therapies that are out there. Um, but I think if someone needs help and they're not functioning properly or their baby's at risk or the mom's at risk or someone's at risk, whatever help they can get is, is critical. So I guess my first question is, what do you think about, you know, the rise of alternative modalities, like people exploring with them more from a medical perspective? Do you find that risky if people are like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to take that drug because, you know, of whatever reason? Um, so the short answer is I love alternative modalities. I work incredibly closely with several acupuncturists, for example, because I think the best approach is a holistic one, um, being whole body and mind. I also am a true believer that it is not my body, it is someone else's. So if someone doesn't want to take a medication, that's up to them, not up to me. My role is to present the options, to give them the reasons why something may or may not be beneficial, and then allow them to make a decision that's best for them and their baby in the future and their family. But I'm not in the business of selling medication. Um, I'm just and in the business of choices, giving right? options. I mean, you know, women, women especially need to be informed of their choices. So I think in every which way it's, it's really important. So even know, knowing that there's someone out there that's a reproductive psychiatrist, I think that's really important. But more women than realize that, that they can get that support. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we can be really helpful for people and um, we don't, we're not just medication by any stretch. Um, we provide a lot of information and, and support and we can be a resource to connect you with a great acupuncturist, with a great therapist, with, you know, a healer who we think will help. Um, you just have to connect with us first. Yes. And on that note, we're going to take a break. And then we'll be back in two minutes and we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Carly Snyder. Please check out her website, carlysnydermd.com, while we're on break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohelp.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohelp.net. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hello, everybody. We're back. We are talking with Dr. Carly Snyder, MD. She's a reproductive psychiatrist. And so, Carly, I wanted to ask you, is medication safe in pregnancy? And if so, which ones do you typically recommend? You know, I think everything is risk and benefit, right? So if a woman doesn't need medication, she should not be on it. If a woman can feel better emotionally with other modalities, like we were talking about earlier, um, if she can do well with psychotherapy and some, um, you know, acupuncture, other uh, self-care, better nutrition, et cetera, great. There's no reason for medication. But for women who have more moderate to severe symptoms, unfortunately, often those measures won't be enough. And they will still be symptomatic and they won't be able to function the way they want to. Um, and that's not just impactful in a negative way for them, but it can also have really negative implications for their future child. Um, so in those scenarios, the risk of medication is much, much lower than the benefit. Um, and the medications that we choose are ones that have been studied, you know, over and over and over, I think the only medications studied more in pregnancy are prenatal vitamins. Um, and, you know, there is no one best medication. The SSRI class, of which we consider like antidepressants, but really they're also anti-anxiety medicines, mm-hmm. are the ones that we go to first. Um, but I never like to say this one is the best one because if a woman has a history of doing really well on one of them, well, that's the best one for her. It's all about each woman, not about um, a universal answer. Makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Because every woman is their own universe, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and right now, just as a curiosity, because, um, you know, pot is um, being talked about, the legalization of pot and Using that mm-hmm. for medical conditions, medical conditions. What are your what's your what are your thoughts on that? So there have been a fair number of studies that show that smoking marijuana in pregnancy is dangerous. Um, that it it has can confer negative outcomes for the baby. Um, and in terms of nursing, there is far less data. But you know, with any treatment modality. I only recommend it once I have data because not having data is, is, you know, equivalent to um, not safe in my book, right? I can only say something safe if I have um, enough women who have been in enough studies where we can say, okay, this is the risk, this is the benefit, and here's what the options are. But we don't have that right now for the use of marijuana postpartum um, in nursing moms. There's some, there's some, Studies, but not much. And the studies do show that marijuana can get into the breast milk. Um, and, you know, so all things being equal, I think there are other modalities, other treatment options that are more um, studied that have been used consistently with, you know, good outcomes. And I would go with that over marijuana. All right. And Talking about women who are nursing, um, can women nurse on, you know, medication? And if so, which one? So the short answer is yes. The, that same class of medicines that we were talking about, the SSRI medicines, um, are safe to nurse on. We look at something called relative infant dose, and if that's less than 10%, so it's the amount that the baby is getting relative to mom. If that's less than 10%, then it's considered safe. And all of the medicines within that class fit in that safe heading. Um, 
you know, Zoloft or sertraline is the most commonly used medicine because it is found the least in breast milk. However, we do not recommend anyone change from whatever medication they're doing well on in pregnancy to sertraline to nurse because you can nurse on any of the SSRIs without concern. Is it it's a switch? Does that create some sort of negative impact? Well, you know, we don't know how you're going to do on the next one, right? So if you're doing really beautifully on medication A, why would you change to medication B if medication A is safe also, right? The, The risk is that you don't do well on medication B. So now your mood goes down and you get sick or sicker. And that's, you know, now you're losing time with your new baby you're losing time with yourself, right? You're feeling sick and you didn't have to. Um, and there's no benefit conferred. That makes sense. Now, and you, you kind of touched on this, um, you know, a couple of times already, but, you know, you mentioned acupuncture, you mentioned something about diet. What, what can women do for themselves to improve their mood, with, you know, any lifestyle changes? The one thing, if there's one thing that can make or break mood, it's sleep, right? So if you can optimize your sleep, you are well on your way to having an improved mood. Now, when I say that to new moms, they look at me like I have two heads, right? Because they have a baby at home and newborns love to be awake at night. And, you know, that isn't always easy for us new moms. However, there are ways to work with your partner so that you can get as many hours of sleep as possible in a row. For example, your partner can get the baby, change the baby, bring you the baby if you're exclusively breastfeeding. You can nurse and then give your partner back the baby to burp and, you know, put back to sleep. And that'll give you another good hour of sleep. Um, That hour is goal. That's important time. Now, you can't rely on your partner for every feeding like that. You guys can, you know, alternate, but it's a good way to maximize how many hours you get a night. Um, Additional things you can do, eat, make sure you eat consistently, eat healthy foods, nutritious foods. Um, You know, I think in pregnancy, we are very mindful of this because we're not only feeding ourselves, but our future baby. But once the baby arrives, it's not uncommon for our own self-care, including nutrition, to go by the wayside. And that can really have a negative impact because when your blood sugar goes down, you feel, you know, there's a level of stress that goes up. And that can almost mimic a panic-like response, right? Your blood sugar goes down and it's, you become really uncomfortable. Your heart rate goes up. You feel clammy, all of this stuff. And that leads to even more anxiety. And frankly, everybody needs nutritious food, right? Nutritious food is the building block for everything, for energy, for you to feel good. You need to be eating well. So make sure you eat good foods. Make sure you take your prenatal vitamins because we lose so many nutrients to our baby in pregnancy and then postpartum. And then other things, make sure you go outside, you know, take a walk. If not, actually, you know, a little jog if you are up to it physically every single day, you know, and you can bundle your baby up and go outside. And that's totally great for both parties. But getting outside is key to feeling better when you're inside all day. It's not good. Um, So those are the big ones. Um, And also don't isolate, you know, engage with loved ones, engage with your friends. Remember that you can ask, you know, your partner or your uh, a grandparent or someone to watch the baby so you can go out and see friends. That's okay, right? You don't have to be with a baby 24-7. You're allowed to also see people and sort of be a person independent of the baby and then come back and enjoy the baby some more. But it's just important that you figure out what you enjoy doing and do it, right? So I always tell people I am not a knitter. I'm terrible at it. But in each of my pregnancies, I knit, 
I just knit a lot. And I made three very ugly blankets. But that was something I did. It was like my activity. And it was good for me emotionally. And it was very relaxing. I also am a big runner. And I ran through my pregnancies until the end and postpartum. And that for me was a great way to both get exercise, get outside and to do something that makes me really happy. Yeah. I mean, endorphins go up, but it makes me happy. So find something that makes you happy and do it for yourself because you deserve it. So important. And on that note, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in two minutes with Dr. Carly Snyder, MD. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a forum of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Lorraine Giordano, talking with Dr. Carly Snyder. Carly was just talking about some lifestyle changes that would be beneficial. Um, And Carly, I wanted to ask you about, you know, I've had a bunch of friends and family members and clients even who um, during their pregnancy, their sugar got out of balance and their sugar went very high. And so I was just wondering if you've you've noticed a trend and, and what you think if you have any feedback related to that. So it's, an, it's a great question. Um, there's definitely some data suggesting that untreated mood symptoms like depression or anxiety that are clinically severe can be associated with an increased risk of gestational diabetes. Um, there's also some data suggesting that having gestational diabetes increases the risk that you will have a postpartum depression after delivery. Um, I don't know whether we can really say that the data is so strong, um, but, and I, and especially in the case of uh, gestational diabetes, every pregnancy is different. So one woman may have it in one pregnancy and not the other, and it's very much based on her pregnancy. But when I will say consistently, when women or have untreated illness, they are much less likely to take as good care of themselves, and that can confer multiple health risks, which is one of the reasons why we stress the importance of treatment, not just from the emotional standpoint, but also from the physical standpoint. I see. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting. My other question is... uh, do you think that, um, you know, 
there's a lot of talk about self-care that's become very popular and kind of trendy. But there's still, with women, this emphasis of being perfect and can, and can do it all and be like the perfect, you know, professional mom, you know, beautiful lady. Do you find that that has created more of anxiety for a lot of your patients? Yes. Short answer, yes. Absolutely. Because you know what? None of us can do it all unless we're a Stepford wife. And then um, that just means we're a robot. So (laughs) it's impossible to live up to an image of perfection, right? And I think this notion that we can all, for example, bounce back into our, you know, pre-pregnancy genes after like two weeks akin to some celebrities on the cover of People magazine. It's just, it's not just unfair, but it's completely impossible. Yeah. And it robs new mothers of the opportunity to enjoy this magical period because they're sitting there going, well, I can't fit into my pre-pregnancy genes. What's wrong with me? And the answer is there's nothing wrong with you. You're, you're normal. You just have to embrace the fact that this is what normal looks like right now. And that's okay. Um, Perfect is this concept which is so detrimental because we can never live up to perfect, right? So you're always just climbing a ladder looking for something instead of appreciating what's right in front of you. Yeah, so I think it's great to talk about because I think women intellectually get it, but I think there's still so many subliminal messages about needing to be perfect in whatever way that's kind of true. So individually. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, I will say I have a lot of women who um, this gets in, comes into play when it comes to breastfeeding, where they desperately want to breastfeed. They try very hard. And for a myriad of reasons, maybe, it, maybe it works partially. Maybe it's just not what they anticipated. And there's a sense of um, loss and failure that comes in that is so unnecessary and so unfounded, but is very much grounded in kind of our uh, perception that to be the perfect mother means you must exclusively breastfeed. And if you don't, then you're somehow depriving your child. And this leads to an incredible amount of anxiety and, you know, sadness and feelings that um, I'll never be a good enough mother, which is, which again is completely untrue. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, so now, if a woman experienced depression or anxiety during or after um, a prior pregnancy, does that mean they'll have the same experience the next time they get pregnant? So this is a this is something that. So many women come in and they're, they're scared for understandable reasons, right? They had a child and it either during their pregnancy, maybe, or, and, or postpartum, they really suffered and they don't want to suffer again. And it can be a bind, right? Because at the same time, they want another child, but they're scared. The answer is that if you have a history of a prior antepartum, meaning in pregnancy or postpartum depression or anxiety, or really any of the mood disorders, you are at an increased risk of experiencing the same symptoms again. But I always remind women that this time is different because this time you know it, right? It's this time. It's not the unknown experience, yeah. And Right. So last time, maybe you didn't know, you waited, you weren't sure what was normal versus not. This time, you know, and at the inkling of a symptom, you're going to be on top of everything you can do to feel better. And so this time will be different. And that tends to relieve a lot of anxiety. And um, there's a lot more support um, with midwives and doulas. Do you find that that helps women with their anxiety or depression? I, I think the more support we to get, you. the better. Yes. Um, you know, if you look across the pond, 
in the UK, they have a wonderful midwifery system where midwives are very involved in um, pregnancy and then very involved in postpartum care such that women get visits from midwives, you know, in the first week after delivery. And they have lower rates of postpartum depression than we do. Mm. They um, feel more supported than we do. Our country, you know, so I think midwives are wonderful. Doulas are wonderful. I really feel like anyone who can support a new mother is valuable and is wonderful. And hopefully in the United States, women would be getting more and more support. That's so needed, right? <laughs> yeah, that and maternity leave. Yeah. We'll get to maternity leave in a second. I'd love to ask you some questions on that. But let's say if a woman's on, uh, on meds postpartum, how long do you typically recommend before they consider, you know, reducing their dosage or even stopping? What tends to happen is that women feel better pretty quickly within, you know, a few weeks and they come back to me and they go, oh my God, I feel great. I want to stop my medicine. I say, okay, well, I think right now let's hold off for a little bit because you feel great right now because of the medicine. But in the ideal scenario, a woman, you know, based on research will be on a medication for a year from the point in which she is symptom free. But in real life, I find that that is a unfair amount of time to, to, to suggest to women. So at least to start, I recommend six months. And at the six-month point, we can assess how she's feeling, and we can try and lower the dose if she wants to. If she lowers the dose and she feels the same, great. We can lower it more, and we can try and discontinue the medication if she lowers the dose and she's like, you know what, I don't feel as good. Well, that's fine. We can go back up. Um, you know, the first year postpartum is a time of great change, right? It is huge, dynamic shifts in life, and the baby changes so much. After that 12-month point, things kind of settle down a little bit. Yeah. So many women find it easier at that point to stop medication if they want to. But it's really up to women Look, it's up to them. As I said earlier, I'm not the one taking it. I'm just providing the options. Yeah, and each woman has to kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. So now, what are the most common symptoms women experience during pregnancy and postpartum if they're suffering from mood symptoms? And I think this is where it gets a little uh, confusing because there's, you know, the different acronyms, Right. Postpartum mm -hmm. depression, PMAD, um, and then, you know, and there's nuances, right, between oh, yeah. psychosis and postpartum depression. Can you explain that before you get into the symptoms? Yeah. So, you know, there are perinatal mood and anxiety disorders encompasses multiple different disorders, right? So we have, you know, people say postpartum and they are referring to postpartum depression, but in fact, that is only one of several possible illnesses. And, you know, any of these really can be experienced also in pregnancy, although some of them more than others, and I can explain that. So depression is one, of course. Anxiety, in terms of generalized anxiety, is another. I would like to say, though, women who have depression as it relates to pregnancy and postpartum, tend to also have anxiety. Not everyone, but many, many have, you know, a lot of worries. Um, because frankly, in pregnancy, a lot of us have worries anyway, but it's pronounced to the point where it's, it's very, very difficult to function. So anxiety tends to be something that many women experience. Some women have panic attacks. Um, some women have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and in that setting, they experience something called intrusive thoughts, which are these repetitive, recurrent, very disturbing thoughts that can be violent in nature. They are incredibly upsetting. Sometimes they're sexual in nature. Um, but the important thing is that women don't act on these thoughts. They know that they're irrational. They know that okay. these thoughts 
sometimes are completely out there. You know, what if I put the baby in the microwave kind of thoughts. Um, but it can be really difficult when you're having these thoughts all the time to kind of contextualize them. But these women are not psychotic by any stretch. They will not act on their thoughts. Whereas women who are suffering from postpartum psychosis are not aware of reality. So they are unable to distinguish between what is real and what is not. And many, they will have hallucinations, delusions. Um, you know, they are hearing voices, for example, not all, but many. And in that setting, it's a psychiatric emergency where they need to be hospitalized immediately for their safety and for the safety of their baby. Not because they consciously want to harm the baby in a um, malicious way. What we, you know, if, if the mother harms her baby, it is a, what we call um, altruistic infanticide. They, they don't realize that they're doing something harmful. In their mind, they're saving or protecting their baby from danger, from what their psychotic brain is conferring to them, which, of course, we realize is not true, but they yeah. think that they are protecting their baby. Um, it's, you know, obviously incredibly sad when that happens, but that's why it's an emergency so that we can prevent that from happening. And would you say you have a small percentage of clients of the woman that you're working with? Oh, for psychosis, it's very rare. You know, it's one to three in a thousand women. Um, the women who have the greatest risk are women who have a history of prior postpartum psychosis episodes. And then the second greatest risks are women who have a history of bipolar disorder because postpartum psychosis is actually a variant of bipolar disorder. So women who have experienced prior manic episodes or what we call hypomanic, lower grade manic episodes in the past are at greater risk and need to be monitored much more closely because they may present with a postpartum psychosis. Um, but in truth, any woman theoretically could experience this. Um, it tends to happen, you know, very very shortly after delivery within, you know, days to a week, although it can happen farther out. Um, and the hallmarks are women who all of a sudden are not sleeping. They are incredibly irritable, very um, sometimes incoherent. They're not making any sense. Um, they are agitated. Um, they may be depressed, but Often they seem, you know, they, these are not women who are acting as themselves because they're really not in their right mind. Yeah. It's not and on that um, note, we're going to have to take unclear. a break. But we'll be back in a couple of minutes and we'll continue after two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Visit InspiredToHelp.net for help in feeling more grounded, centered, and relaxed using different energy healing tools. Lorraine Giordano works with women and men in person or via Skype or telephone sessions. You can sign up for a single session or try one of our discounted multi-session packages. We also offer three levels of Reiki classes. Find out more at InspiredToHelp.net. You can even book Lorraine for a workshop or speaking event. Visit InspiredToHelp.net today. Do you get a little nervous or hesitate to discuss topics down there that aren't talked about often? We hear you. Or are you curious to look at frequently discussed topics from a different perspective? Visiting inspiredtohealth.net opens up a whole world of discussion that you may not have known even existed. Lorraine Giordano offers a form of open and frank discussion about those seemingly unmentionable topics down below. Visit now, inspiredtohealth.net. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If 
You are listening to the Womb Happy Hour. To reach Lorraine Giordano, her guest, or if you have a comment on the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at inspiredtohealth.net. Now back to the Womb Happy Hour. Hi, everybody. We're back talking with Dr. Carly Snyder, MD. Um, she has been sharing a lot of uh, interesting and important information with us. And I think it would be really helpful to get your feedback, Carly, on common misconceptions about mood symptoms during and after pregnancy. Because this isn't talked so, about enough. I, I think there's so much room for preconception. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest ones is that they, you know, if you're feeling really depressed or anxious in pregnancy or postpartum, you can will your symptoms away, right? That especially if you're pregnant, that pregnancy is somehow protective and that's not true. Meaning just because you're pregnant doesn't mean you can't experience depression or you can't experience anxiety. You absolutely can, and there's nothing you did that you don't, you know, you didn't do something wrong. It's not your fault, but you do need help and treatment, whether it be uh, psychotherapy or any of the modalities we've been talking about can be incredibly beneficial. Um, You know, another one is when women who are pregnant have this thought that, well, once I have the baby, everything will be okay. And unfortunately, that is rarely, if ever, the case, because as we all know, having a newborn is tough beyond the sleep deprivation, which is a killer for your mood. It's a whole new world, and it's also emotionally difficult. It's also hormonally. You have a huge, you know, your hormones tank, basically, on day three. So it's a perfect storm for your mood to get worse, not better. And, you know, the other one is that these symptoms only affect men, women, excuse me, um, and that's not true. Men can also experience a version of postpartum depression. Um, some research says that up to 50% of men whose, whose partners are experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety are also suffering from their own symptoms. So it's always important to ask a dad how he's doing and, you know, treatment works for him as well. Um, So that's another one. Do you find that a lot of the, the women that you work with who are, who have husbands or partners going through their own depression or anxiety do you think that, do you hear a lot of feedback that they're not willing to get help or support or they're just going to ride it out? You know, it's a great question. I, I hear a lot of um, men who just say, well, I just want to focus on my wife. It's, you know, I just want her to be better, which is a lovely sentiment. But in truth, both partners need to be well, right? You, you both deserve to be well and you both deserve to enjoy having a new baby and enjoy co-parenting. Um, so yes, often men initially will kind of push away the idea of getting help, but eventually once they get help, it's incredibly, incredibly beneficial for everybody. Makes sense. Now, what do you think some of the, the risk factors for experiencing, you know, depression and or anxiety, um, during and after giving birth? Well, I mean, we've talked about a bunch of them. The biggest ones being if you are having these symptoms in pregnancy, you're, you know, you're at great, great, great risk for having them after the baby is born. Also, if you've had similar symptoms of anxiety or depression in a prior pregnancy or postpartum, you're again at increased risk. And women who have a history of any of these uh, illnesses prior to pregnancy, so, you know, it could be years ago, it could be months ago, are also at increased risk. A family history, so if you have someone in your family who has suffered from 
severe depression or anxiety, that can confer some level of risk. Also, you know, things like childhood trauma, poor social supports, financial concerns, um, being very young, so teenagers are at an increased risk, um, marital strife, you know, recent life stressors, um, a big move, uh, lay, being laid off, things like that. Um, have you noticed any differences having, between um, dairy infection delivery versus natural childbirth? Well, I was going to say the next one would be having a um, difficult delivery can definitely increase the risk for a postpartum mood disorder. Now, for some women, a C-section is a totally lovely experience. And for some women, it's incredibly traumatic. It's very, the risk is based upon a woman's perception of, of the event, not necessarily the event itself, if that makes sense. Um, so a traumatic birth in whatever way that occurred is a risk factor. And having a baby in the NICU is also a risk factor. Okay. So we're going to have to close up the show, but Carly, thank you so much for sharing all this valuable, important information. Thank you. you I'm called so action for our there. listeners. They'd like to mention. So if, so if anyone wants to find me, they can find me at carlysnydermd.com. If they have other questions, there are some great resources. Um, they can go to Postpartum Support International's website, which is postpartum.net. And if they are interested in learning about some of the research going on or, you know, some of the news that comes out, they can go to womensmentalhealth.org, which is Mass General's um, Reproductive Psychiatry Program's blog. It's excellent. Um, both sites have great information. So... Thank you for sharing that. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. This was amazing. Thank you. And so I'd like to thank all the listeners, too, for joining us this week. Uh, on next week's show, we're going to have a psychic medium who's also a radio host. Her name is Catherine Miles, and uh, she's going to be joining us. And I'd love to hear from you, so please Connect with me. You can send me an email through info at inspiredtohealth.net. Uh, you can find me at Facebook, Inspired to Health, or on Twitter at Inspired to Health. Uh, thanks again for joining, and I look forward to connecting next week with everyone. Remember to take a few deep breaths and uh, send some love and light down there. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us for the Womb Happy Hour. Be sure to tune in again for another edition featuring your host, Lorraine Giordano, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an excellent week.